everybody, and welcome to another episode of the RXP Podcast. I'm going to be your host today. It's Tiffany, and today I'm joined by my two great co-hosts, Alex. Who needs the proper intro? Woo! And Matt. It's not 52, and it's not 54. (laughs) Excellent. So today's a very special episode. We'll be talking and reacting to the nominees of the 2021 Game Awards. We are very excited to talk about what's been going on and what we've been playing. Uh, Many of us have played a number of these games, not all of them, but we'll still give you our perspective and what we think and what we've enjoyed so far. So first, we're going to... Oh, also, this will be picking... We've picked... By we, I mean, I've picked categories that we will discuss today those will be listed in the timestamps below uh, but we're not going to be we don't have time to talk about all of them but here are just a few that we will discuss so first category up we are going to talk about best debut indie game uh, the description for this category is for the best debut game created by a new independent studio the nominees are the artful escape by Beethoven and Dinosaur slash Annapurna, The Forgotten City by Modern Storyteller slash Dear Villagers, Kana, Bridge of Spirits by Ember Lab, Sable by Shedworks and Raw Fury slash Raw Fury, and then Valheim by Iron Gate Studio slash Coffee Stain. Obviously, some of these are developers and some of them are publishers. I'm just reading off the website as I see it. Who would like to start off the discussion for this category today? So I know amongst the three of us, we've played two of these games, right? In Kana and The Forgotten City. And so we we're not well versed in the entirety of this category so like none of us have played the Artful Escape Sable or Valheim but despite yep. all three of us having played the two my vote for this is actually Valheim and that's mostly because uh two major factors one you know Valheim came out earlier this year i know a lot of the the rest of four of these games came out within the past few months or so so not to say that these games have recency bias or anything but Valheim came out I think February of this year and also it's the only game currently in November that I still hear people like in the media talk about and I think it's that combination of the fact that this game is so like it released so much earlier in the year but it has the lasting power that people still bring it up in today's conversation that I think really goes to show like how much of an impression it's made as a debut indie game for Iron Gate Studio. I have not heard of this game. Like, what is its gameplay style, Alex? Do you know? It is, so you get plopped into a, I guess, quote-unquote, randomly procedurally generated world, and you are in kind of like the Viking era slash, you know, that like medieval time like period. So I okay. guess in, in the thousands at some point. And it's a survival game. So you drop in, you have to eat food, you have to build shelter, but there are goals, right? Because in this world, there's actually monsters that exist. So things like trolls, things like werewolves, you know, things like zombies, like there are 
threats in the world where at night you are in danger because the threats are out and potentially they'll come attack your home, right? So wherever you build your shelter, you have to defend it. And on top of that, there are actually world bosses that progress the story of the game. So while you're doing the survival aspect, eventually as you're exploring, you'll encounter these large creatures that you're going to have to take down in order to get even further and to reach farther places. So not just it being a kind of more open world style sandbox slash survival experience, but there is a gameplay mechanic of surviving these threats, building your base, leveling your character and then, you know, reaching and basically figuring out, like, what's going... Well, I don't know if there's an actual story. I just know at least be- beating the bosses is the main progression through line. Yeah, I've heard of good things, a lot of good things about Valheim. I never got into it. It's PC only, though, right? Is that why? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. It's also early access, so technically, right, it's not out, which then you might say might put a damper on it because the rest of these games, I think, are all full releases. So the fact that this is still technically early access beta might be a knock against it. Mm-hmm. But I think also it's a plus because of how much they've done and it only still being in early access that it has a lot of legs moving forward as well, I think. Yeah, it's definitely interesting with like it being like one of those unknown multiplayer experiences that just really came out of nowhere this year. Um, for me, I got to stick to what I know. And so really, like I've downloaded Sable on because it's on game pass i really love the the art direction of it um but between forgotten city and king of bridge of spirits i think for me what edged out is the forgotten city like to me this was a three-man team uh this was a writer a programmer and an artist and what they came up with was the forgotten city this was initially started with as a skyrim mod that was the most downloaded skyrim mod which had like 3.7 million downloads back in the day it had such great success they decided to take the ideas of the mod and then form their own game which now is one of the best reviewed games all year like it has an 85 on metacritic to me like the promise of these three people once they get additional manpower and maybe additional funding like i'm very excited to see where they go and the beauty about this whole thing is like we can have three really great answers for this category because really like this is like who you have most hope for in the future. And honestly, like between the two I experienced between um, modern storyteller and Ember labs, like both of them I think are going to be on the map for, you know, like I think Ember labs is going to do a great job, but for me, modern storyteller looks like it could, it could have something like once they really dive deep into this sort of storytelling, I I think the sky's the limit for them. I could definitely see them going toe-to-toe with like a lot of Western RPGs. So uh, for me, my vote would have to be Forgotten City. I actually, um, it was one of my highest recommendations of this year um, that I've been telling everybody, especially now that it's on Game Pass. I've told all my Xbox friends, yo, you got to try this out. Uh, so that that's where I'm at. I was actually very curious about what or which game Matt was going to throw his hat in the ring for. And interestingly, I was a little bit torn with these two choices because I've, like Alex has said and what Matt has said, I've played the Forgotten City and Cana Bridge of Spirits. And there were things that I loved about both games and things that I didn't like. You know, at one point, I thought the Forgotten City was too scary. Um, at one point, I thought Cana Bridge of Spirits was too hard. 
So there, I was like really struggling with this, but as Matt said, a studio that I'm excited for in the future. When I thought more about that, I'm honestly, I, by like a centimeter decided to go with Cana Bridge of Spirits. I really like the rot. I like the gameplay that I experienced. I like the little, some of the stories that we learned about the spirits. And although I thought the game was hard and I had to play on easy difficulty just to move on in the game so I wouldn't be frustrated, I'm really excited for the future of Ember Lab and I can't wait to see what their next installment's going to be. But I also very much enjoyed my time with the Forgotten City and was the first time in a while that I felt anxious going through the story because I'm trying to figure out what was happening. It made me feel real emotions. I mean, both games did, but, you know. Okay, that was our discussion for the best debut indie. All three different choices. Very curious for what or if we'll get a category that we all agree on. <laughs> um, but, you know, you come here for the RXP podcast. We're all talking about our recommended experiences here. Um, and so let's get to the next category. My favorite category that should maybe be just dubbed the best Nintendo game sometimes. But we're going to be discussing best family game for the best family game or for the best game appropriate for family play, irrespective of genre or platform. Here we have It Takes Two by Haze Light Studios, Mario Party Superstars by No Cube, Pokemon Snap by Bandai Namco slash the Pokemon Company. Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury by Nintendo and WarioWare Get It Together by Intelligent Systems. Now, there are four Nintendo games here and one <laughs> not Nintendo game. And one of these games is in running for Game of the Year. And the other four are not. So I'm just going to go first. This is Best Family Game. Now, I've played three of these games. I've played Mario Party Superstars, New Pokemon Snap, and Takes Two. And I'm going to be real. Because the category is straight up best family game, I'm just going to have to go with Mario Party Superstars. I really like this game. I also really appreciate how the online play is way better than expected. You know, first of all, it came out with online play, right? step above Super Mario Party, let alone the ability to drop in and out of games online in Super Mario Superstars, Super Mario, no, I mean, Mario Party Superstars, that alone makes it fantastic. I've yet to actually play through a board online, but I have played a bunch of the mini games and it was smooth as butter. Also, the games are great. There's no motion control nonsense. I love it. I feel like all that just means that it's, like, an acceptable game. Like, I, I love how we give Nintendo just a pass <laughs> for, like, oh, it came out with multiplayer online. It's like, okay, welcome to 2008, Nintendo. Welcome. Um, but, yeah, that aside, I think for best family game, like, the only game that I've actually played is It Takes Two. I, I you know, a category we're not really talking about, best multiplayer, I would give It Takes Two best multiplayer 
hands down uh, for me. But for best family, I feel like you can't go away from Mario Party. I feel like Mario Party is something that like transcends generations. Like for me, that is what makes a best family, like a really good best family winner. Uh, so for me, it, it makes it a kind of easy choice for me, even though I haven't played any of them. I know that Mario Party, uh, I've watched streams of it and I'm like, this is something that I would play with my family when my family doesn't play games. Like they, they could pick this up and play very easily. Uh, and have a good time. So for me, I agree with you, Tiff. Like I, I think, I think Mario Party all the way. So just like Matt, I've only played It Takes Two out of the list of uh, the only non-Nintendo game in this category. The rest being Nintendo games. And you know, we don't have to wait long for us to all be in agreement because I agree. I think Mario Party Superstars should take it, mostly because it's also, I think, the only game that lets you play with four people simultaneously. I think WarriorWare is only two people as well. So at most, I think when you think family, not to say a family is four people, you know, a family can be any number, right? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, well, I'd say at least two people. I I don't think a single person could be a family. But, you know, you and your significant (laughs) other, you, your significant other, and your children, you know, any sort of combination. But I think Mario Party, it's a classic thing. You spend time with the family and breaking those familial relationships down because you just hate each other's guts for when you <laughs> yeah. steal that other person's star and like what like what's there more t- to family than to be able to love them but also hate them at the same time so i, I think my party just is just an easy pick here honestly alex just be prepared to play that one thirty turn round when you come home is 30 the maximum i don't believe so actually oh, no. Then why does it have to be thirty? Wait, it might, it might be. I don't remember. It's thirty or thirty or forty-five. I don't know. I have to. We'll double check. We'll play one round of the longest possible, and we'll we'll have the the best. There will be many stars stolen during that time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, on to the next category. Uh, we will be discussing best action adventure. I'm skipping one right now. We're going to go straight to best action adventure. The the nominees for the best action adventure game combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving are Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy by Eidos Eidos Montreal, Metroid Dread by Mercury Steam, Psychonauts 2 by Double Fine, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart by Insomniac Games, and then Resident Evil Village by Capcom. So I've only played three of these. So another category that I haven't been able to experience every single game, and so it's hard for me to make the absolute definitive decision, right, being experienced and everything. But based on what I know of the other two games, so the three games I'm playing have been Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, Psychonauts 2, and Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, and based on what I know of Metro Dread and Resident Evil Village, this, of the categories we've done so far, this only being the third, but I think this is really the toughest category for me. so tough. Because, right, when you look at the description for best action adventure is for the best action adventure game, combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving. And that really is a large mm-hmm. like factor, right? If, if you're concerning those things and based on what I've heard, I, I think I might give it to dread Metro dread mostly because, you know, 
playing Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, it has puzzles, but they're not necessarily very challenging. A lot of it's simplistic. Also, the actual traversal isn't that great, in my opinion. The jumping feels really clunky. There's no sprint button for some reason. Like, you know, you play a Star-Lord and he runs around, but and he runs around at a decent pace, but you can't never sprint with him, which I don't know why. Maybe it's a loading thing, or maybe they're just like, we'll just make Star-Lord move as fast as he does, but you can't change it. It just doesn't feel right. So I think the traversal for Guardians holds it back. Uh, Rift Apart doesn't really have puzzles. It's pretty much a very linear kind of, you just go from point A to point B. The like most you have to think is look at one point to be like, where do I go? And that's kind of the main puzzle is just where am I look going? And then you know how to get there. It's pretty obvious. And then Psychonauts 2. So I've played through the casino level for Ooh, nice. listeners out there. So I haven't, I haven't finished Psychonauts 2, so I don't know how much farther it gets. Uh, but I'd say the similar thing. I'm not the biggest fan of how they've designed it. I think there's a lot of clarity issues with just how the levels are set up just visually. Uh, and obviously, I know part of that is due to the theming of the game, right? Like, this is meant to be a game that tackles mental illness. That's all about the mind. So, obviously, things aren't supposed to look logical, right? The whole point of the game is things being illogical. So, there might be some clarity with that. So, maybe my opinion will change as I get deeper in the game. But based on my initial uh, hours spent with it, I'm not the biggest fan with it. Um, I've watched a lot of playthroughs of Resident Evil Village, and I think for the most part, it's kind of your standard thoroughfare Resident Evil. So I don't know if it might be good, but I don't know if it pushes Resident Evil's design ahead because a lot of the previous games in the franchise have done similar things. Um, but I've heard a lot of great things about Metro Dread. A lot of people talking about the difficulty of how you get certain power-ups. You know, people saying sometimes you have to start and a move like three screens away before you get to the actual screen where you have to like do some sort of jump slash like wall jump slash com you know air maneuver and so i think there's because of how metro's dread is divided into these separate screens that that adds a little bit more interesting complexity to the traversal uh in that so i personally my votes for dread even though i haven't played it uh but it seems like tiffany see, uh disagrees with my opinion about ratchet and clank so I'll, I'll hand I it do. Over to her. When you say there's like no puzzles, are you forgetting the realm in which Clank is trying to figure out how to get to the next area? Which I've completely forgotten what that area, the metaverse. You're right. I did completely forget about the, the Clank riffs. Yeah, the I Clank would riff. say that they were not great because all it did was. I don't you threw orbs you. at platforms. You had to figure out which combination of orbs you need to put where. Okay. So my vote for this category is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I've played two games, Guardians of the Galaxy and Ratchet and Clank. Traversing in Ratchet and Clank is a joy. The only thing that frustrated me in that game is freaking directing Trudy around the map when you're flying on her back. But otherwise, love jumping, love sliding on those weird gravity rails and stuff love the mine cart jumping back and forth with your I don't, the railing and all that jazz i and even the gravity boot or not the gravity boots but the hover boots just felt again smooth as butter mm. on that open world i loved my time with ratchet and clank i'm actually surprised at how much i loved ratchet and clank rift apart thank you alex 
for lending it to me. Yeah, so um, good points all around. Uh, out of these five games, I have played four of them. I have beaten three of them. Um, I actually beat Psychonauts 2 earlier today. Uh, I have played and beaten Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy and Ratchet and & Clank. And I am, as far as I know, about 75% done Metroid Dread. Um, I just honestly just haven't picked it back up like there's nothing against the game um i think for this i think it would be between both of your picks because the biggest thing is the traversal i think that psychonauts 2 gets held back by almost that ps ps2 ps3 era traversal um i think the platforming later in the game keep at it alex because honestly um at the stage of where you were at i was like how is this game of the year contender like how is this a game of the year nominee now that i've beaten it i'm i'm like i get it I, I get what it is. It's not, though, the strength is not in a best action adventure. And I wouldn't really say Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy its strength is that either. I think the traversal for both of them, for Dread and for Ratchet and Clank, is very strong. But honestly, I, I just enjoy the world of Metroid Dread a lot more than Ratchet and Clank. Uh, so that's what I'd have to go with, is Metroid Dread. Sorry, sorry, Resident Excellent. Evil. I didn't even think about you. <laughs> <laughs> no apologies we all have limited time here you know what i mean we got to play what we want to play yeah. so we're taking a step back and we're going to go to best role-playing game i'm excited for everyone's spicy takes maybe for the best game designed with rich player character customization and progression including massively multiplayer experiences the nominees are Cyberpunk 2077 by CD Projekt Red, Monster Hunter Rise by Capcom, Scarlet Nexus by Bandai Namco, Shin Megami Tensei 5 by Atlas, and Tales of Arise by Bandai Namco. Wow. I've played none of these games. Oh, man. So I thought I, I was going to be I'm, the least prepared for this one. <laughs> no, 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 Matt. You're never, let's be real, you're never the least prepared. So I've played none of these games. And so I I'm would I'm very like interested to in who you're picking. <laughs> I want to abstain from commenting. Alex has somehow chosen games that he's never played um, as his picks for the category. But I don't know that I can pick. I am interested and in planning on playing Tales of Arise. Um, but that, of course, is dependent on Alex lending me that game. So I'm going to kick it back to somebody else. I'll, I'll go next because Alex is the only one that's actually going to have an educated talk about this. Uh, so I might as well get myself out of the way. Um, I vote against Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> that's what I'm using my vote. It's actually a negative for Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> In my mind, okay. if you're looking at rich player character customization and progression including massively multiplayer experiences there is nothing in that sentence that talks anything about cyberpunk 2077 i think potentially the customization of like how it's supposed to look but i was actually thinking about this earlier today when i was looking at at some of these categories i was thinking that my choices which for RPGs, like the main thing about it is your choices change your game type. They're going to change your game style. You know, you want to go light. You want to you want to go sneaky. You are going to play it way differently. And you're going to have such a different experience than Alex, than Yasser, than whoever else is playing it. 
But honestly, I'm pretty sure it didn't matter what I picked. I had the exact same experience as Alex and Yasser and anybody else who played Cyberpunk 2077. Um, Also on top of that, there's no multiplayer at all. Like at this point, they were supposed to have unleashed so much more as part of their roadmap that really is just fallen by the wayside. And I think out of the category that shows that there are really no Western RPGs <laughs> that came out this year, um, it's this. Like this would have been a great place for Elden Ring to, you know, shake this up. But I think that whoever should win is definitely going to be more on the JRPG side, I feel like, uh, from what I've heard. Um, but Alex, I'll, I'll give it to you. So I want to point out, yeah, where the part of the category description says including massively multiplayer experiences, it's funny how none of these are even MMOs either. Like like they include that in the description, but no MMO got nominated, including, which we referenced in a previous episode, Amazon's New World, which I thought a lot of people liked, but apparently didn't like it enough to care to nominate it. So I just thought that was an interesting exclusion in this case, despite it being in the description. But... So I've played three of these games, and I have them? a decent... So, so th- yeah, so these games being Cyberpunk 2077, Scarlet Nexus, Tales of Arise, and I've seen a lot of gameplay from Monster Hunter Rise and Shin Megami Tensei V. I just want to... I agree with Matt. You know, why is Cyberpunk 2077 here? I know it came out December last year, so it qualified for this year's uh, Game Awards. Get that out of here. You know, I'm with Matt. You know, negative two against Cyberpunk. Negate... <laughs> If anyone votes Naked for this, a negative three. Yeah, yeah ne- negate three votes from the <laughs> next three people that vote for this. Uh, I also want to knock out Scarlet Nexus, mostly because I think Tales of Arise is just a strictly better version of Scarlet Nexus. Oh, okay. I think definitely if, if you were looking for a JRPG to play from 2021, Tales of Arise, no doubt. Like, there's really no redeeming qualities behind Scarlet Nexus besides the fact that there are technically two campaigns. Mm. So you can kind of choose a little bit different, a little bit different story, but for the most part, they don't deviate that much from each other. So I think from an RPG perspective, despite the fact that they give you an option to have two different experiences, they don't deviate enough or substantially enough to really warrant you to play both. Unless you're a platinum trophy hunter like I am, then you're going to play both because you have to. Uh, so knockout Scarlet Nexus, honestly, I know it's not in the description for best role playing, but I want to take out Monster Hunter Rise mostly because despite it having rich character customization and progression, right? Who doesn't love bashing in these wyverns, harvesting their parts and creating new weapons and armor, almost maybe one of the best games out there for that gameplay loop. I don't know if there's a better game that does that loop better right like fighting these massive bosses and just grinding and grinding to get better gear but being a role-playing game it has a trash story i'm sorry monster hunter fans none of your games have good story you can't call yourself a best role-playing game if there's no story because then what role am i playing i'm just <laughs> killing these monsters like you're just an eco-terrorist at that point in oh monster my hunter. gosh like, shots fired so i don't want anyone defending monster hunter rise's best rpg this year get that out of here so we're coming down to shimigami tensei 5 tales of arise obviously i might seem a little biased because i've played tales of arise to completion i've not even touched or booted shimigami tensei 5 but because of that 
So no, I'm not biased, but this is just based on my experiences. I, I Tales of Arise has to win it. You know, as Matt talked about with uh, Cyberpunk, it, it really didn't matter, right? The backgrounds we picked, the choices we made, the gameplay ended up being very similar to one another. Tales of Arise, you have six main characters, all who have different combat styles. You have Alfin, Shion, Law. I'm not going to name the rest because Look at I don't want to get flexing his yeah, knowledge. I don't want to get into spoiler territory. I don't want to reveal who all the characters are. But all you have six different party members, all of them with different combat styles. You get different experiences playing the game. There's different cadences to the combos. On top of that, character uh, progression and customization. You don't like outfits for these characters. Obviously, they're cosmetic, but at least they're visually interesting. So, you know, you can go through the game if you want to wear an academy outfit instead of your, like, actual, like, knight uniform, you can. You know, you can look like a peasant if you want when you're fighting these large monsters. Who cares? It's your choice in customization. Also, combat. You can assign combat arts during combat. You can actually change your uh, skill loadout in the middle of combat, you pause the game, you go into the menu, you can remap the commands while you're in a fight. So if you realize if you're not currently equipped to fight something, you can say, hey, I want to change out. I don't want to have to restart the fight over from the beginning. You can do that. So there's an adaptation on the fly as you're playing the game. And also, this is visually gorgeous, right? This runs on Unreal Engine 4. It's a good-looking game. And also, it has a story. Albeit, it might not be the best story in the Tales of franchise, but it is very strong for what it is. And obviously, it hopes to be something more. And I don't know if it's just due to budget constraints or time frames that they had to pull back on it. But it's a story that gets you there and that at least shows a decent amount of meaningful character development across the entire cast. So I think it really embodies what it means to be a role-playing game. You know, combat, you know, actually playing a role of a character and having a story in that, you know, that the characters present as their roles. Uh, and not to not knock anything against Shin Megami Tensei V, I know a lot of people back it. It's definitely, quote-unquote, a more mature persona. Obviously, it's also, quote-unquote, the original persona because Persona is a spinoff of the Shin Megami Tensei series. But I think it's it's something to say when a lot of people describe something as adult Pokemon or Pokemon for adults, that while it might be a good game in and of itself and it deals with serious issues, come on. You know Pokemon has a trash story too. Like, Oh my gosh. So if this is Pokemon for adults, then Tales of Arise all the way. <laughs> Let's like reel this back in, Alex. You don't need to say a soliloquy for every single nominee. Just check yourself. Okay, so speaking of another category where I have no horses in the race, here we have best action game for the best game in the action genre focused primarily on combat. We have Back for Blood by Turtle Rock, Chivalry 2 by Torn Banner Studios, Deathloop by Arcane Studios, Far Cry 6 by Ubisoft Toronto, and Returnal by Housemark. I have seen a lot of coverage of Returnal, Far Cry 6, more Deathloop than I could ever want, but I have played none of these games, so I will continue Excellent. to abstain from this discussion. Take a vote away. Give it to... S <laughs> <laughs> choose one that you don't like. Uh, <laughs> I, Down with Chivalry um, too. <laughs> 
That's influencing the vote. <laughs> Matt, why don't you take it from Listen, here? Listen, there's, there's a couple votes that could be considered, but honestly, just getting right down to it, this is Deathloop's game. This is, if if anything, for Deathloop to win, it is best action game. Like, if you're talking about a fluid combat system, and this is not just, like, fluid combat that you're thinking, oh, you know, this guy on Twitch, he spins hours and hours perfecting this combat loop no no you can be me you can be a very you know like somewhat above average gamer that does not like i'm not some like 14 year old kid that like has great reflexes and like knows how to do things like no all right (laughs) like you could just be you're keeping it real you could just be a random dude and you can look like you are on twitch when you're all by yourself you will like Put these combos together. Uh, you will have these abilities along with really fun gunplay. And you string all these together. And you look around like, man, I, you know, chat, clip that. And then you realize, you know, you're, you're just by yourself. You know, you're not, <laughs> you have no chat. No one's clipping that, <laughs> all right? But that's what it makes you feel like. It makes you feel like you are a god in this game. And so for me, like, I have played Back for Blood i played Deathloop and I've played Returnal. Returnal has a great combat system, but for me, there's just nothing that made me feel so silky smooth as when I was playing Deathloop. And that's what I'll say. So I've only played one game in this category, being Returnal, and that's my pick. I, And I think I'm on a similar uh, level as Matt is with Deathloop in that Returnal played played felt good to play and played well and performed well like this is a Mm -hmm. game who on the ps5 as a ps5 exclusive never had performance issues with it it ran you know buttery smooth frame rates also i never really died to a moment where i said why didn't it work how i thought it would work and i think in action games that's typically the main marker to say is oh if i died it's because i mechanically failed it's not the game that was coded buggy or anything it was just my failure to not understand what was happening to me and what I need to do to get out of the situation versus the game basically just being unfair because, you know, maybe it's a bug or maybe just some other unfair design. But I, I really think Returnal does it well. And also just the inclusion, and this probably shouldn't be included because it's just time about the game itself, but the incorporation of the dual sense, like mm. playing the game, the act of playing the game and how they designed the use the usage of the adaptive triggers, right? The kind of partial pullback and then the full pullback for the alternative fire and the weapons. And also just the feeling, like the rain, like pitter-pattering on your suit and the uh, haptic feedback on the controller. I think it's that combination of the game playing well, but also my experience with it because of how well it leveraged the controller. Uh, it really amplified the overall experience for me. Can we talk about how anemic Western RPGs were this year? Like, if you're really wanting a Western RPG, like, it... For me, I feel like there wasn't something that grabbed me. But as far as action games, like, between Deathloop and Returnal and PS5, like, we were feeding. Like, both of these games are uh, just putting spoilers out there for the end of our year. Like, I will be talking about both of these games. Could not talk about them great enough. But for me, just a slight edge out of Deathloop. But yeah, I completely agree with you, Alex. Returnal, great action game. 
of all the game nominees for this category, I am most interested in Returnal storyline. So I will say that. Mm-hmm. But now we're moving on to a category that is more my speed, which is best indie for outstanding creative and technical achievement in a game made outside the traditional publisher system. So our nominees for this category are 12 Minutes by Luis Antonio, Death's Door by Acid Nerve, Inscription by Daniel Mullins Games, Kana Bridge of Spirits by Ember Lab, and Loop Hero by Four Quarters. I'm going to be honest, when I saw all the like, like, loop hero maybe ads or it's showing up in my like feed for stores and stuff i had no idea that this was a new game that came out this year um and a, yeah. you know i, I don't know What's anything funny about with this game. loop hero i think it debuted at the game awards last year really oh that's so cool. it debuted last year at the game awards and then came out this year hmm. so i have only played cana bridge of spirits but I am very interested in playing 12 Minutes in Inscription. But because I haven't played those games, I think I'm going to have to give it to Canaan Bridge of Spirits. And this is not like begrudgingly or anything, but I honestly think like as a debut game for their for Ember Lab, the game was fantastic. Like love, loved it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've played death store Kana and 12 minutes well by played 12 minutes i watched a friend play it but basically you know it's not a game that's mecha- like there's no me- real mechanics to it it's a puzzle time loop s game uh so i think just watching it and being a part of like the decision making is enough to have quote unquote played it so yes my hands weren't directly controlling the mouse but virtually i was there as well as mentally. Were you uh, helping make the same cho- the choices? Like were you Yeah, like clicking around to be like inspect this or why don't you try this order of like, you know, meeting yeah. talking to this person then doing this thing. So okay. I basically played 12 minutes. You did. Um I would say out of these, I don't necessarily have an interest in playing Loop Hero, mostly just due to the visuals. I think the concept's really interesting because the idea is is that uh, instead of directly playing the hero, the hero kind of does the combat on its own and you're actually kind of acting as the uh, person that's putting the challenges in front of him. So the the titular hero operates in a loop and oh. you're the one that puts like the monsters in the path for your hero to fight. This so is familiar now. Yeah, so it's up to you to kind of push your hero to be able to defeat these monsters and bank the experience without dying. So it's like that push and pull of saying, you know, I, I I want my hero to get stronger, but I don't want him to die because if you die, then you lose, right? Like that's, that's the end of it. Uh, so it's an interesting concept. I think visually that's kind of the main pushback for me. You know, it's very kind of 16 bit art style. It looks very uh, old. So it's, it doesn't look too great. And on the flip side, something like Kana, Visually yeah. gorgeous. I mean, this it looks at least looks a lot better than most games that have come out this year. Uh, it doesn't necessarily play better, but definitely it has the visual chops to match even the best of the uh, AAA studios out there. So I'd say it's my pick for best indie just based on the visuals. I think that is kind of the gatekeeper for a lot of games where people look at other indies and I think it's the art style that really holds people back to say, oh, that might be fun, but visually it's not my style. But I think because Kana has that Pixar, DreamWorks, Disney Animation Studio S 
level quality to it that that initial barrier of saying it looks bad completely non-existent for it uh but i would like to say for inscription it's a game that i'm highly interested in playing so after i've played this my opinion on this category might change because i've heard a lot of promising things about it uh and it might overcome Kana for me because I love the visuals of Inscription, uh, despite how it looks vastly different than Kana. And the promise of what Inscription provides is definitely intrigues me, but I haven't played it yet, so I have to go with Kana on this one. Yeah, Inscription is kind of like the the hidden gem here, I feel like. like I feel like um, most of media have been pushing for Inscription to have gotten a Game of the Year nah. Like they, they were saying they're very high on this. Um, so I'm almost surprised that it's not in more categories, but I've, you know, we, I've actually talked about this in maybe some episode in the past. It's a card, it's a card game. It's not for me. Um, and I understand that, but I'm happy for people that like it. I think this year, 12 minutes, this was best indie was 12 minutes game to lose. Honestly, at the beginning, I would have, I would have thought that 12 minutes would have gotten this and they had great creative achievement, but the technical part of it, when Game Pass subscribers, a majority of Game Pass subscribers still are playing on controller at this point. And when your core mechanics click, clicking is great. But using a controller to go over here, go over here, because it's not only like you're not moving your character with a control stick, no, you're moving a cursor to then click with a button with your cursor. Like, for me, it did not stick. Um, maybe if I had mouse and keyboard, maybe it would have stuck a lot better. For me, I have to go with the game that I enjoyed the most out of this list. And for me, that's Death Store. Uh, Death Store, um, even though I know Alex has tried it, and I recommended it to him, and I'm happy he did. And even though he didn't have a great time for me, it was right down my alley. I don't know why it hit for me, but this was exactly what Indie does for me. Uh, pay a very small amount of money, and then have a very, very small experience that is just through and through, just very solid. Just great one-liners and, and parts that like I was smiling probably the entire time uh, for me I, I think that it just it brought a new world to me that over went to an overarching world that I want to try out um, uh, you know whatever that what was the previous game I forgot what it's called um, Titan something Titan Souls yeah Titan Souls um, for me Death Store is there for me Kingdom Bridge of Spirits I really enjoyed but for me I think out of this I, I just think I enjoyed Death Store a little bit better I'm very intrigued by the art style. Like, I really like the art and the little visual of this little black bird mm -hmm. just being, you know, scurrying around a big map and stuff. Um, but I'm not a pro a jamer as my two co-hosts. So I don't know that this is for me. You know what I mean? But it is for Matt. And that's wonderful. <laughs> so now we're moving on to best score in music for outstanding music inclusive of score original song, and or licensed soundtrack. So the nominees for this game, or for this category, not this game, uh, include The Artful Escape by Johnny Galvatron and Josh Abrahams, Cyberpunk 2077 by a bunch of Polish names, <laughs> Polish composers. <laughs> I, I can't name. I will not even try. Deathloop 
by Tom Salta. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy by Richard Jacques. And Near Replicant version 1.22474487139 by Keiichi Okabe. I enjoy Marvin Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it has great music. Um, I think that it has great licensed music, songs that I recognized. I may not know. I could, you know, may may not be able to name the artist immediately if I were to hear that at a bar or something. But you know, when I'm listening to it and looking at my little radio mm-hmm. on my ship, I'm like, oh yeah, them. Do and that's we all. Think- Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying that's the only game I've played. <laughs> I was about to say, do we think it's unfair that they include licensed music for this category? Well, like on or your do you scale, do you scale it higher if it's original than if it was licensed? Or are you scaling it the same one to one? I guess also my additional question is, are we going based on the strength of the score of music in and of itself or also how it plays into the game? Because I think that I know the way that the category is described just saying for outstanding music, inclusive score, original song and or licensed soundtrack. It doesn't it seems like it's just addressing the music, but it's not necessarily how the music is incorporated into the game. Right. I think. Music by itself can be great on its own, right? I think a lot of tracks out there are amazing songs, but also with any, I guess, uh, mixed media, you know, movies, shows, games, that I think it is the combination of the music slash soundtrack with the actual uh, other parts. So I guess for, you know, like a show, it'd be the visuals and the actual scene, but then for the game, it's how that ties in. I think that to me is what I weigh more. And because of that, I give it to Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy because, you know, the the main mechanic of, or one of the main mechanics of the game is called the huddle where, you know, as you build meter during a combat scenario, you can then call the Guardians in to do a huddle up. And if you cr- pick the correct uh, choice to then motivate your fellow Guardians, uh, you know, Star-Lord turns on his cassette player and hits one of those classic like 70s 80s jams and then you know you're blasting aliens Mm -hmm. to take on me or final countdown and i think that combination of the music while the music is great on its own i enjoy it and it's also you know great as just listening to it on the ship you know even when you're not in the combat scenario i think the combination of how that music is incorporated into the gameplay really sets it apart, you know, and is it isn't just saying it's good music for the sake of being good music, but it's good music incorporated with the actual gameplay. Yeah, that's see, that's where I like have a hard time with this category because I, I like the team up part of Marvel's guardians of the galaxy. It just felt right to just blast some aliens. Like while you're listening to like all these eighties hits, but I almost want to give it to someone who has just like a better original soundtrack to it because I almost feel like in this same route, we would almost should have given it to Sackboy Big Adventure last year, which I think had just an awesome soundtrack as well. Um, so I know this is this is kind of like painting me into this. Shout out to Brittany. Shout out to Brittany. Toxic forever. <gasps> Who's escaped her conservatorship. Congrats, Brittany. <laughs> Free Brittany. Um for this, like, I've only played Deathloop as Marvel's of the Galaxy and Cyberpunk 2077. Still here. Still here. Look at him. <laughs> Still there. <laughs> um, but, like, 
I really enjoyed Deathloop's soundtrack. Um, they actually, like, you guys could listen to the soundtrack. It's actually on Spotify, and it has, like, 59 songs on it, all original, that play. You have, you know, four times a day in, like, four different, four to five different, no, I think four districts. Um, so that's 16 different times that you can be in the game during this loop. And during those different times, different songs are playing. Um, and even beyond that, like they had like license, like almost like realistic sounding music that was in their trailers that were all original pieces too, that find their way into the game. Like for me, I just, it made it seem believable that these people made music while they were living on this island. So for me, I think it just adds to that 60s vibe uh that was there so for me i'd probably give it to death loop just because i wonder if original will score higher but if it's one to one i think marvel's guardians of the galaxy gets it in a landslide but that's just my take you heard it here uh so we're gonna move on to another category called best art direction for outstanding creative and or technical achievement in artistic design and animation the nominees are The Artful Escape, Death Loop, Kana Bridge of Spirits, Psychonauts 2, and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. All five of these games have nominations in other categories. Mm-hmm. And I have a choice that might surprise the both of you. Not Kena? Nope. It's going to have to be Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Honestly, nice. like art direction wise, everything looks beautiful. You know, I wasn't just, I mean, we had some cutscenes that inter quote unquote interrupted gameplay, but most of it felt pretty seamless. Mm-hmm. Like so beautiful to look at, you know, utilizing the power of the PlayStation five. Mm-hmm. Kana Bridge's spirits just had all, you know, all these like rendered cutscenes that would go in and out, like interrupting, my gameplay, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, I was just so impressed with Ratchet and Clank. As you should You know what be. I mean? Like, yeah. Like, so, so impressed. I mean, obviously I want Ember Lab to make an animated movie and I totally watch that. But I think honestly for artistical design, artistical, artistic design and technical achievement, that's where I give it to Ratchet and Clank. Mm. I, I think this beyond i think action adventure was a tough one for me i think best art direction is really tough because between the games that i've played Deathloop, kena psychonauts and ratchet and clank all four of those one of their strengths that i would put in their pros column is art direction all four of them have great art direction to me um what this comes down to kena is beautiful i agree with you um I think there was some discordance between uh, like a 30 frames per second cutscene and a 60 FPS game. Like there was some of that, that just when they get a bigger budget, I think they'll iron that out. Um, But honestly, this may surprise you. My pick is Psychonauts 2. I, I think that the more I play this game and I'm interested to see your take on this, Alex, once you finish this game. Um, And Tiffany, if you ever, get to the point where you're willing, like if there's a really good sale for Psychonauts 2, I think you should check it out. Um, I think that I want to talk about this in a right, like at this point, I guess, because I feel like game of the year might 
be a different discussion. But Psychonauts 2 does a beautiful thing for mental health. I, I think that um, part of this generation, what we're getting right now in the past like five to 10 years, I feel like there's been a lot of getting rid of stigma and mental health. And a big reason that we can do this is to talk about this. And a big theme of Psychonauts 2 is not talking about like people that have mental health issues. It's talking about we all have our own mental health. We all have our own problems. And one way they talk about this is through the art direction of each level. Each level you're delving into another person's mind and that person may be dealing with depression, they may be dealing with anxiety, they may be dealing with substance abuse. All these things are depicted by the world that you come in. Like someone that has substance abuse problems that they have, they're alcoholic, there may be bottles that are used as tables and there might be, instead of water, there's just booze, just like flowing as rivers. Like the amount of details that they put in from the overlying story into their own art direction to kind of meld story with art, I feel like that's second to none. Like I, I think um, it just took it away from me. And I, I'm glad that I took the time this week to go back to Psychonauts 2 because I probably would have given it to Ratchet and Clank. Um, but for me, going back to see what game relied so heavily on their art to tell their story psychonauts 2 it just takes it away for me and i think i agree with matt even though i haven't finished psychonauts 2 yet i i really in terms of when they say best art direction for outstanding creative and or technical achievement honestly i don't think it super wins in the technical achievement side don't get me wrong Psychonauts 2 looks great. I'm playing it on PC. I'm very surprised at like the reflection quality. You know, things that should look shiny look shiny. There's not a lot of flat textures. Um, and I, as Matt said, I agree that when you're using the art to help reinforce the aspect of the story or of the game itself, I think that's the strongest pillar you can rely on. I think I... We didn't shout out the other uh, nominee in this category, but the uh, Artful Escape by Beethoven and Dinosaur, published by Annapurna. But I think that game, even though I haven't played it, also does a very good job about its combination of uh, using its art to tell its story. I haven't played it, so I can't say much to it. But based on what I have played, being uh, Kana, Psychonauts 2, and Ratchet and & Clank, and not Deathloop, uh, despite Ratchet & Clank looking gorgeous, right? This is a game that runs at a smooth 60 frames per second great visuals uh i would say that being a ps5 exclusive i would put returnal in this category over ratchet and clank i think returnal's art design and especially its performance that game does i think a lot more than ratchet and clank in terms of just chaotic scenes and what's actually going on and it holds up well and also just the design of that world right how creepy it is how you know more specifically alien it is because of what's going on with that character and that story i would say that returnal probably deserves a slot over ratchet and clank uh, i wouldn't pick returnal but i just wanted to shout that out to say returnal got snubbed for mm. this category uh but yeah i, I agree psychonauts 2 so far has done a great job the casino level i really liked it you know i'm a fan of puns i'm a fan of play on words i and right not to say that mental illness is a joke but i think how they're using that world and how they're making fun of certain things, but also how they're deciding to portray certain things really adds to the quirky element. Uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, of that world, and especially things like you know, uh, for movies, and you know, to slightly go outside of this uh, category a little bit, I really liked Inside Out by Pixar, and mostly because of how they portrayed the emotions. Right, you had anger, you had sadness, you had joy, but if you notice with that, the emotions weren't defined by hard lines. Like those characters were just kind of soft bubbles that would like kind of fade out. And that was an additional portrayal to say, Hey, emotions themselves aren't defined, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't say specifically what is joy, like what is anger, mm-hmm. right? Cause it's a very amorphous idea. And I think psychonauts is also leaning in that to say, we're not saying these are exactly what they are, but these are how these people in particular are portraying these feelings. Mm-hmm. And I think that expression of thought is very interesting. Also very, it amplifies the experience. Tiffany, they also have an impatient pharmacy in Psychonauts too. Just so you know, it's like, they really? yeah, it's part of like the casino. It's a pachinko machine, <laughs> which is funny. You're supposed to like give them a pill and get it down to like their stomach and stuff. It's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Okay. Well, what kind of gameplay style is Psychonauts? It's platforming, too? like 3D platform. Oh, God. Yeah. You just lost me. You're a platformer. No. Just... no. Okay. <laughs> and here we go. No, she's to... a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to the second to last category, you guys. Spoiler warning. We have two categories left. Um, best narrative for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. Our nominees are Death Loop, It Takes Two, Life is Strange, True Colors by Deck Nine, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and Psychonauts 2. I'm going to let someone else take the first stab at this category. I will take the first stab at this category. I... I'm interested to see what you all think about It Takes Two. I don't know if like the storytelling lands. I've only played maybe the first four missions. Um, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, Psychonauts 2, I, I love the game, but I wouldn't say it's really um, a contender for this for me. I think that it comes down to Deathloop, which is a very non-linear way of storytelling. Um, how it kind of interweaves like a very, very complicated storytelling in Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I think for me, though, um, I think uh, for me, I almost want to give it to Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. I feel like the narrative is something of I didn't expect to enjoy the storytelling as much as I did. And it did not feel like a slog at all. It did not feel campy and it did not feel like it overstayed its welcome for me i think that these are characters that i knew from the mcu but i still was invested in their life and it got to the point where this is canon for me these characters are canon to me more than the mcu characters because of the way they were able to tell that story that i think it did stick the landing and it made me want to see what uh Ides montreal does in the future not taking away thing from Arcane, um, I think it's a it could easily get this win uh, come in December. Uh, but for me, I think Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy was my favorite narrative experience this year. So I, I too, I think the for this category, the most important thing is is I need to finish the game to really I think give it a fair judge. So I'm going to 
exclude Deathloop, Life is Strange, and Psychonauts 2 because I haven't finished any of these games. So it really comes down to It Takes Two and Guardians of the Galaxy for me. And based on kind of the description of it and I guess the goal that they're trying to tell with the story, while I really liked It Takes Two, I think gameplay-wise they did a very neat job of both, I guess, telling aspects of the characters of May and Cody through these different variations in gameplay uh i don't i didn't really like their dialogue i think there's a lot of things that made sense being a bickering couple but also at the same time was just random thoughts of them just being a bickering couple so i i'm not sure how strong that was to really tell an effective story besides the fact that they were getting over it together um and so yeah i agree with matt i i have to give it to gardens of the galaxy they did such a great job with both making the dialogue not feel unnatural, but also to make it feel like, right, established. These are people that know each other. They're characters that have relationships before you jump into the story with them and their relationships continue to develop while you're on the journey. And I think that is really the biggest thing to say is if you have characters that, you know, supposedly know each other before you join them on their journey, a lot of the time it doesn't feel like that. Like it feels like people write scripts that, you know, they have one-off comments or they have things that might reference things in the past, but they don't do a very good job to make it believable. Say, have you really known this guy for like five years of your life or however long it's been? But I think guardians does it well. And I, I really like the quips and also I'm just very impressed by the amount of dialogue. I think they did a really good job that they actually had a lot of specific lines that only, occur once right like it might be in this specific moment that one character says something to another and you never hear it again Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of repeat dialogue so i think they did also a very good job to say oh not to say it uh adds the believability but also you're not hearing the same one-liner over and over again during combat you know it's characters calling out certain things it's commenting on how the combat's going but it's also commenting on if you mess up right if you know you're in traversal and you go down the wrong hallway and they're like why the hell are you looking down that way and then star lord <laughs> just makes up the excuse of saying i you know i'm just checking our corners you know and then the next time you do it it's just them being like he's off checking his corners again you know they actually yeah. like play on that fact to be like oh yeah, you've done this before, so we're just going to write a new line to make it seem like, right, it doesn't feel unbelievable in that way. So definitely, it's Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy for me. So you said that you could only judge on the two games that you have completed. And I'm going to say pish posh because I have not completed Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, but honestly, from what I've even played narrative-wise... That totally takes over. It takes two. I agree with you, Alex. There's a lot of like bickering between Cody and May. And yes, I do appreciate when they like reminisce and push the story forward. Like, oh yeah, I remember the snow globe. Don't you remember the snow globe? We love snow. (laughs) You know, stuff like that spread out throughout the game. And I was just like... Great character development. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, cool. At one point, they like snow. Neat. You know what I mean? But like, you know, and there was a lot of, there was a lot more fighting than I expected, to be honest. Like, you know, we're like halfway through the game and they're still fighting and I'm like, when do we move on? Oh, wow. When did they kiss and make up? Yeah. I was, I don't know. 
obviously I've never been in a situation where I'm fighting with someone for decades. So like that might be a way how, you know, people are. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but from what I've experienced with the Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, I've really enjoyed and I do want to know where the story goes and moves forward. So I'm excited to figure that out. Um, and I did think that was really interesting, as Alex mentioned, that they react to things and change dialogue accordingly, similar to how Hades did it hmm. with their dialogue trees. So, major props. Bang, bang, bang. You heard it here. Tiffany's judging a game she hasn't even finished for both for best narrative. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> okay, here we are, you guys, to the moneymaker category. Six nominees for game of the year. Recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. And we have Deathloop, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and Resident Evil Village. Now, I have finished and completed two of these games. It takes two and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Is my personal game of the year nominated here? Who knows? You'll have to listen to our <laughs> top 2021 experiences to figure that out. But for this category, for Game Awards 2021, six games here, I will throw it down for It Takes Two. Now... You know, it says recognize a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative technical fields. Listen, I love, I love, Tiffany loves co-op experiences, okay? Co-op, love mm -hmm. it. It takes you co-op, innovative co-op. Alex and I played through the whole game together, each doing different things, and it was wild, it was a wild time. I, I loved it. You know, there were moments where I'm like, man, I wish we were playing this together in person so I could just switch controllers so I could do the other thing that he's doing so I don't have to do what I'm doing. But, um, you know, there's always playing it through again, you know, as two different characters. Like, I played as May, he played as Cody. So maybe one day I'll go through it again and be like, I want to play as Cody and someone else can be May. I really enjoyed my gameplay experience. The story was fine. Like, nothing groundbreaking, but I did enjoy, you know, learning about these, this couple that once were in love, fell out of love, have a daughter, have a family, have history. It was, it was great. I loved it. And also, the artwork was really cool. I really liked how different every area mm -hmm. looked. And all the mini games were fun. Alex and I had a blast playing them and then replaying them when I lost, you know, trying to be like, no, wait, I don't like this. Let's do it again. So overall, wonderful memories from this gaming experience, you know, February, March, April, like it was, it was great. It was, it was great. A plus. And I have to agree with Tiffany, you know, I think you'd think this might be the category that has the most discussion, but I think it's pretty clear. For me, out of the games I've played this year, and so obviously 
not having played Deathloop Dread or Resident Evil Village and not having finished Psychonauts 2, opinions may change because I might get to these games at some point in the future. But f- at this point in time for the Game Awards 2021, it it's it takes two over Wretch and Clank. I think it's because I remember distinctly while playing the game, I've had several moments where I said, this is my favorite part. And I think that's what really cements it for Game of the Year for me is that it was consistently impressing me moment after moment to say I really enjoyed that section and literally not like less than an hour later I said oh I actually think I enjoyed this section even more and it just kept going on and on towards the end of the game and I think there like when a game does that to me there are very few games that have actually made that comment especially out loud to myself and the fact that it takes two was able to do that I think is the hallmark to say that it's game of the year for me because it just kept getting better moment after moment. And I really, you know, I did harp on saying maybe the dialogue wasn't the best and that's true. You know, I didn't think they necessarily had meaningful moments story-wise all the time, but because right, this is game of the year you know, if I had fun playing it, I think that's the most important part. And it takes to really deliver that fun experience through and through unlike Ratchet and Clank, where I think great game, visually amazing, performed well, fun mechanics but you know maybe felt a little samey throughout the whole thing and i just didn't have that continual wow factor as i did with it takes two wow makes me excited to uh finish it takes two for sure i like i i'm very excited to finish that um for me i have played five of these outside of resident evil village i feel pretty confident though in my answer from what i've played of it takes two i completely see where you guys are coming from i think that it is something that's very innovative and i feel like it's finally what hazelight wants their games to be like and i I think it's a gold standard and i hope that joseph ferris can like say f you to the oscars at least one time during the game awards like he did like a couple years ago um and if it takes him having to win it takes two then i i hope it to be in existence uh but for me like when i'm reading this and it says delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields i'm thinking about some of the things we've commented already best action art direction locomotion um narrative all these things that go into this um and it has to be Deathloop. It has to be Deathloop for me. I feel like it took the cake for me for action, but it was in the running when I was talking about art direction. It was in the running when we were talking about narrative. It was in the running, well, it wasn't in this action adventure category, but it's locomotion is something like how you get around is so interesting that it will compete against Metroid Dread if it was ever put in the same category. So for me, I feel like it is overall the best game this year. It's definitely something that now it's only like $25 on PSN. So anyone who has a PS5, you should definitely, if you're into this sort of thing, um, an action first-person shooter game, I think that you're in for a treat because I think that it is the definitive game of the year uh, for 2021 up against this list from what I've played. Um for me, Deathloop is is definitely a special game. I, I thought that it was going to be a special game, and then when I played it, uh, it just hit everything that I wanted it to do. So for me, Deathloop takes this, and I hope it actually does win Game of the Year because Arcane Studios, up until this point, they've had the Dishonored series, they've had Prey. If you look at their Metacritic, it stayed very consistently 
high 80s, low 90s. Media outlets love Arcane, but they really haven't gotten like a lot of commercial success. And I hope that this is the first year that people are just picking up Arcane Studios and saying like, hey, we love your stuff. Keep doing this stuff. Um, because I think that it's finally for a game studio that just hits and hits and hits and hits. I hope they can get the recognition they deserve this year with Game of the Game of the Year. Awesome. And, you know, we all voiced our opinions today, uh, but the results of the Game Awards will air on December 9th. I don't want to say the time. Look at your local times because different time zones. Nighttime. You know what I mean? For our, for our international audience <laughs> members, <laughs> listeners there. Um, yep. So December 9th, um, in a few days from this rec- posting, I presume, we will get the results. And so with that, that was another robust episode of the RXP podcast. If you have any... Um, complaints or you'd like to let us know what you want to win please tweet at us at rxp underscore podcast or write us at rxp.podcast at gmail.com and of course we would love to thank grandmaster doug for the cool tunes and that's all you know have a good time play some games You don't need to say a soliloquy for every single nominee. It has a trash story. I'm sorry, Monster Hunter fans.